Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Welcome Jr. Welcome in, everybody. Her, her so Street five. is on the phone. Here. Here. podcast. It is Speaking America, the Air Force Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for a fun Wednesday episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I'll tell you this. I don't know whether it's just because SEC media days are here or that we're getting closer to college football or whatever, but those dog days of May and June when we didn't know what we were going to talk about, it ain't a problem right now. We got a loaded show for you today. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We are going to open SEC Media Days, obviously. I know there's a lot of like Nick Saban this, Brian Kelly that. I actually thought the most interesting thing from SEC Media Days so far as we are now through two days, it is Wednesday morning, you are listening on Wednesday, came from Commissioner Greg Sankey, who I thought actually gave a pretty good window. He said two things that really caught my attention that I believe kind of give insight into where we are going, the present and the future of college football. Yeah. I'd be worried if I was not in the SEC or the Big Ten. He said two very interesting things that I want to dive into. From there, we'll switch gears and we'll talk about the have-nots. If the SEC and the Big Ten are the haves, the have-nots, the Big 12, the Pac-12, that merger that everybody's been talking about that I told you wasn't going to happen, it ain't going to happen, but I don't think it necessarily means that there aren't still things moving around behind the scenes. I will discuss that. And finally, wrap with another topic that we hit on about two, three weeks ago. Notre Dame, a, they want a crazy amount of money to remain independent. This was something we talked about. If you do the math, as J.J. Reddick would say, it's a simple math equation, F-head. Yeah, he was talking about me when he said that. If you do the math, it makes sense why Notre Dame wants so much. We break it down and what is next for Notre Dame. So really, what is next for college football via Greg Sankey? What is next for the Big 12 and the Pac-12? And then we take another break, come back and talk Notre Dame. Before we get to the topic of the day, really quickly, I hope you guys are all enjoying the coverage of SEC Media Days from the team at uh, Torres Media. Basically, we have a guy on the ground. Matthew's doing an incredible job. Uh, if you follow the Torres on Bama account, he was all over the place on Tuesday. 
Wednesday. We have a lot of Kentucky fans, a lot of Arkansas fans that listen to this show. Make sure you're following Torres on UK on Twitter, Torres on the Hogs. Matt will be covering both of those teams. And then, of course, on Thursday, Torres on the Vols, Torres on A&M, Torres on Auburn as those three teams go on Thursday. Really, really fun week. So much to get into. So with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, I just spent a ton of time talking about it. It is SEC Media Days. There is a ton going on. And as I just said a moment ago, we've had some of the biggest names in college football to this point speak. I'm recording late Tuesday. Nick Saban already took the podium early Tuesday. Brian Kelly took the podium in his first appearance at SEC Media Days on Monday. Mike Leach did his Mike Leach thing on Tuesday. But for those of you who follow this event, the opening of this event always surrounds SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. He kind of gives his State of the Union address. Talks about all sorts of things. And this year, it was obviously especially interesting and important. He talked a lot about the present of NIL. What is going on with NIL? He actually talked about where he was with US, when the USC-UCLA news dropped. I thought that was very interesting. He actually said that he did not call a meeting immediately after the USC-UCLA news because he didn't want people thinking that he was making a counter move. So a lot of really interesting things from Greg Sankey. But what I thought came out of SEC Media Days, and specifically Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, his State of the Union address, I believe that he had two very interesting quotes which speak to the present and future of college football, and I believe this. As I've said for a couple weeks, I believe that we are headed towards a sport of consolidation. I believe we're headed towards a sport where fewer teams matter. I believe we're headed towards a sport based on some of the stuff that Greg Sankey said this week that is not going to look anything like what we currently know, and I think we're certainly headed for a postseason that does not look like anything that we currently know. Before we get to what Greg Sankey said, I do think specifically from the postseason, because the postseason is kind of the the, the center point and the focal point of everything going on. And I really want to take a step back and kind of remind you of something that came up last year because, of course, I think it contextualizes what Greg Sankey said on Monday at SEC Media Day. Go back to a little past this time last year. If you remember this time last year, obviously Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC was the big news. But then after that, it became the next conversation of, okay, what does that mean for the college football playoff? And it was about a year ago, I believe really the last time that anybody met to talk about the present and future of the college football playoff was January. And at the time, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, really, really, really pushed for a 12-team playoff that included six automatic bids and six at-larges. Keep in mind, right now we have a 14-team playoff. Everybody knows that. And I think it's important to remember this one fact because Greg Sankey discussed it on Monday. Right now, the college football playoff has four teams, and they're really four at-large teams, right? You don't get, even the SEC champ doesn't automatically get a bid to the college football playoff. It's just the SEC champ always gets in, usually the same with the Big Ten, usually the same with the ACC or the Big 12, whatever. But right now, the college football playoff is set at four teams. Everybody is an at-large team. So Greg Sankey, in the most recent conversations about the college football playoff, said that he believed the best path forward was 12 teams with six automatic qualifiers 
and six at-large teams. And if you really think about it at its most basic level, now I've never been an expand the playoff guy, but if you think about it at its most basic level, it kind of makes sense as to why that would be good. It'd be good for the overall health of college football because six automatic bids means that in the days before USC and UCLA left for the Pac-12, the Pac-12 would have gotten an automatic bid. So as bad as the league had been, one, they'd get access to that cut of money, that cut of pie in terms of the, the financial elements of it. But two, more importantly, they'd get to play on the biggest stage. And so Greg Sankey's argument was, you guys have been boxed out for years. I'm basically giving you a get-out-of-jail-free card, and you're going to make money, and it's going to help us grow this sport. The problem was all of these other conferences really did not want to expand that playoff to 12 with six at-large bids and six automatic bids for this reason. They knew that with six automatic bids and six at-larges, most of those at-larges, if we're being honest, are going to go to the SEC. And I don't think they wanted to give the SEC the upper hand. And let's be honest, I think the biggest fear is you're the Pac-12 champ, you're, uh, you know, whatever, and you have the fourth best team from the SEC come to your place, kick your butt. That The, the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC and the Big 10 were like, we don't really want that. Take it a step further, I don't think the Big 10 wanted their champion uh, hosting the, the fifth best team in the SEC, getting their butt kicked because obviously we know what the ramifications would have been. So Greg Sankey wanted 12 teams, six auto bids, six at-larges. The other conferences pushed for eight bids, five to six automatic bids, and one to two at-larges. And Greg Sankey's argument was basically like, well, wait a second now. We technically have four at-larges right now here in 2021-2022 with the four-team playoff. Why are we going to set up a system with fewer at-large bids? That was Greg Sankey's argument. And so everybody went their separate ways and whatever. So why do I bring it up? What does it have to do with this week at SEC Media Days? Well, Greg Sankey was asked about the president of the future of college football playoff, and he basically said, look, everything that we already discussed, now that USC and UCLA are headed to the Big Ten, now that the Pac-12 has less leverage than it did even a year ago, now that the Big 12 has basically no leverage at all without Texas and Oklahoma, we are going to completely revisit that. Here is what he said. He said the pressure was there, this was previously, to have conference access with some guarantee. So the 12-team, six at-large, which increases the at-large access, but the guarantee, blah, 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 blah. okay, here's the important part. He said things have now changed. I was clear back in January when we walked away from that conversation that we as a conference, the SEC, weren't unanimous in our support. I had, as commissioner, moved people forward to the point we were uh, supportive as a league. If we're going to go back to square one, so this is the important part. If we're going to go back to square one, we're going to take a step back from the model that was introduced and rethink the approach, the number of teams, whether there should be any guarantee for conference champions at all. That is not a very good sign if you are not in the SEC and you're not in the Big Ten. Because what Greg Sankey just said right there, I'm going to read it again. If we're going to go back to square one, we're going to take a step back from the model introduced. That was 12 teams, six at-larges, six automatic bids. We're going to take a step back from the model introduced and rethink the approach, number of teams, whether there should be any guarantee for conference champions at all. Basically, what this is what Greg Sankey just said. He said, Pac-12, Big 12, AAC, ACC, 
All you conferences that didn't want to play nice, I tried to throw you a bone. Yeah, the SEC would have gotten the most teams, but guess what? We're the best conference. Yeah, we're going to get more teams, but we deserve to have more teams. But I tried to throw you a bone. I tried to do what was best for college football. I tried to make a national event that included the winner from the West Coast, the Pac-12, the winner from the Atlantic Coast, the ACC, the winner from the Midwest, the Big Ten, the winner from our conference, and then we fill in the blanks from there to fill out a 12-team field. Well, guess what? Now we're going back to square one, and here's the crazy part. Now I, Greg Sankey, have more leverage than I did a year ago. Pac-12, you might not even exist in 10 minutes, so I don't really care what you want. ACC, everybody knows I'm going to get the teams I want out of your conference. The Big Ten's going to go take a few, so you got to listen to me because I'm running the show. To use the old quote, I'm the captain now. That is basically what Greg Sankey just said, and so now, and we're going to get into in a minute what, what, what a potential playoff could look like. What he's saying is we're starting from scratch and I have more power than I ever did and all these other people, guys and girls that I was trying to appease, I don't really care about them anymore. What I'm committed to are the 16 teams in my league, the 16 teams in the SEC. Here was the other thing that he said that I thought was very interesting and you had to pay extra close attention to really hear what Greg Sankey said, because he said it was a joke, but here's the thing. When there are billions of dollars at stake, and you're set to collect most of them, is anybody ever really joking? I don't think so. And Greg Sankey was then later asked about the future scheduling model of the SEC in the regular season. This has been a big topic of conversation since Texas and Oklahoma announced they were coming in. And the big debate has been this. Currently, the SEC plays eight conference games. They play eight conference games against other SEC teams. And the big debate, and we've talked about it a little bit on this show, do we stay at eight teams or do we go to nine games? Nine games would allow three games against traditional rivals plus six games against everybody else, which means that once every two years, you would play everybody in the conference. And once every four years, Every team plays everybody else in their stadium. So the, the, the famous thing is Georgia and Texas A&M, I believe, have played one time since Texas A&M joined the SEC in 2012. That changes. They play once every two years now and once every four years in each venue. So that is the topic of conversation. Do we, go to eight, do we stick with eight games when Texas and Oklahoma come, or do we go to nine? But here was what Greg Sankey said when he was asked about it. He talks about the, the, the coaches' meetings in Destin, and here is what he had to say. When we concluded our discussion in Destin, we had a focus placed on a single division model with the ability to com- accommodate either an eight- or nine-game conference schedule. I'll wink and say we could even accommodate a ten-game conference schedule. I see all of you look up. I just want to make sure you're paying attention. Smiling. That's actually not our focus. Ho, 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 Greg Sankey, that little jokester. Are we doing eight or are we doing nine? How about 10? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Just want to make sure you're paying attention. But here's my question. Were you really kidding, Greg Sankey? Or are you dead serious? Because I don't think that you put that out there just to have fun with the media. I think you do that because you're kind of letting us know. It might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen for 10 more years until the ACC eventually blows up. 
But at some point, we're going to 10 conference games. We're going to 10 conference games. Forget eight, forget nine. We already have a model in place when we want to go to 10. Now, naturally, I know what a lot of you are thinking. A lot of you are sitting here thinking, that makes no sense. The first question is, why would we, what, what is the incentive to go to 10 games? What is the incentive to go to 10 SEC games? Well, what is the incentive in any of this? It's to make the most money possible and share it with the fewest people, or in this case, schools possible. And so why I think we're going to get to nine SEC games and then eventually 10 is because the SEC is like, I don't really care about subsidizing all these other schools. I don't care about subsidizing the FCS. I don't care about subsidizing the Pac-12. Why let all of those schools come into our stadiums or we have to travel to their stadiums play on our TV network, and we gotta cut the, we got to split the check with them. If you're Greg Sankey and you're the SEC, why do you care about what happens in the ACC? Why do you happen, care what happens in the Pac-12? As a matter of fact, let's be honest. Whether it is an ACC team, whether it is a Pac-12 team, whether it is an AAC team, the biggest game on their schedule is whoever they're playing out of the SEC, at least when it comes to at home. You know what the only sellout that Texas has right now on their schedule? It's Alabama. They've already sold that out. Now, they should have sold it out two years ago, but they announced a few weeks ago that's a sellout. That is the biggest game that Texas is going to host in many, many, many years, probably since they hosted LSU a few years ago when LSU had Joe Burrow. So if you're Greg Sankey, you're sitting there saying, why am I going to send all my teams all over the country so that Alabama can go fill up your stadium and sell your tickets and do this and do that? Rather than do that, I'd rather have Alabama, rather than them playing, say, Florida State, which is on their schedule, or West Virginia, which is on their schedule, I'd rather them play South Carolina, or I'd rather them play Vanderbilt. Let 25,000 Alabama fans go up to Nashville, and we keep the money, and we put it on our network, and it's awesome, and all that's good stuff. Now, I think the second question many of you would ask would be, but Torres, if we play 10 conference games, that's going to kill anybody's chances for the playoff. It's going to eliminate possibilities for the postseason because everybody's going to be beating each other and everybody's going to finish with two, three, four losses over the course of a season. And what I need you to do, I need you to take off your 2022 thinking cap and I need you to look forward to 2026, 2028, 2029, 2032, 2033 and go back to what we just talked about. The SEC was already going to dictate the terms of the postseason going forward. Now, with everything that has happened, they have more say than ever before. Now, the Big Ten's going to have a big say, too. I'm not trying to disparage Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and whatever. But the SEC, as much power as they had a year ago, they got even more now because the Pac-12 is weakened, the Big 12 right now is weakened, although we're going to get to it in a minute. I think they're going to take a few of those Pac-12 teams. But the SEC is going to t- dictate terms of the, co- uh, of the playoff, of the, of the postseason. So why does the SEC care if, they have two, th- if their teams have two, three, four losses? Because at the end of the day, they're sitting there saying, well, we're going to decide what the parameters are. By then, we're going to be leaps and bounds above everybody else except for the Big Ten financially. Our schools are going to be competing on a completely different level. Who knows what NIL looks like by then? I mean, we already have teams now. Texas Tech on Monday announced that every player on the, on the team is getting 25 k per person. 
I mean, imagine what this thing could look like in terms of NIL for the SEC by 2025, 2026. I mean, you could be talking about players making hundreds of thousands of dollars in NIL. And so, and I'm, when I say I don't players, I don't mean just the star quarterback. I mean everybody on the roster. And so the point that I'm trying to make is I don't think Greg Sankey cares about, well, you know, this team has two, three, four losses because they're going to dictate what the playoff and what the postseason looks like. So is it a 10-team field with four from the SEC, four from the Big Ten, and two from everywhere else? Is it just the top four in the SEC play, the top four in the Big Ten play, and the winner plays each other? I don't know what that is going to look like. I like to make a lot of predictions. I like to tell you how smart I am, and I'm going to do it a lot in the next two segments. That part I don't know because I don't think anybody knows. And by the way, I know nobody knows because if everybody knew what the postseason was going to be, then the Pac-12 would have agreed to the 12-team playoff a year ago so they weren't in the situation they are now. So I've gone on long enough. I want to take a quick break and come back and talk the Big 12 and uh, the Pac-12 news. But I'm just telling you, Greg Sankey just told you, he just told you what the future of college football is going to look like. It's going to be a lot of the pack, uh, a lot of the SEC at the top, and a lot of the Big Ten at the top, and everybody else is kind of behind. And the the sad part is, the ironic part is, whatever term you want to use, we're we created this playoff to make college football more of a national sport. I think we're headed towards a world where it's probably looking. Like, I think the power is consolidated. I think it's going to be a Big Ten SEC world, something that we've talked about quite a bit on this show the last few weeks. All right, this is what I do want to do. I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back, and I do want to talk on the topic that I just discussed. That is the present and future of the Big 12 and the Pac-12. On Monday night, we got a report that any merger of the complete Big 12 and Pac-12 conferences is done. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Just because we ain't getting a complete merger doesn't mean we're not getting some teams. I think there is movement. I think it could come soon. Pay close attention. Make sure to, de- to, to, to stay tuned for the next segment. I'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. 
But before we do, I want to welcome in a new sponsor, Athletic Greens and AthleticGreens.com. With one delicious scoop of AG1, that's Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Quick side story. The founder of this company, they were experiencing gut health issues and were spending over $100 a day on vitamins and supplements. They knew there had to be a better way. That's Athletic Greens. For the cost of just $3 a day, you can get Athletic Greens. Here's the best part. It contains less than one gram of sugar with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging. That's athleticgreens.com slash emerging for one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take over ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Thank you again for being our partner. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to kind of continue just the college football realignment mumbo jumbo puzzle piece conversation. Uh, and do it in a different way and kind of on a different part of the food chain, right? The SEC is obviously atop the conference realignment food chain. They're going to do what they want, when they want. Uh, they're going to go into your village, steal your teams, do what, whatever they feel like. Notre Dame we're actually going to talk about in a minute as well as in a similar position. But a little bit further down the food chain is kind of the interesting dynamic involving the Big 12 and the Pac-12. At this point, you don't need me to tell you what happened, but ever since the Pac-12, really it goes back to last year when the Big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma, but really in the last couple weeks since the Big 10 took USC and UCLA from the Pac-12, there's been this awkward dance between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 of can we figure out a way to work together? Can we just do a full merger? You take your 10 teams remaining Pac-12, you, we take our 12 teams once Texas and Oklahoma leave, because remember, they're adding four teams in the future. You take your 12, your 10, put them together, 22. Can we do a different scenario where we just have some weird scheduling thing? Is that a possibility? Can we take a few of your teams? Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, they call them the corner schools. Maybe the corner schools plus Oregon and Washington. Well, on Monday night, we got a report that at least one of those options is off the table, but I think that a lot of people misperceived what actually was reported on Monday night because on Monday night, Pete Thamel ESPN reported that talks between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 of a full merger are dead. The Big 12's 12 and the Pac-12's 10 are not coming together for some uh, big mega 22-team conference. And when the news came out, why I'm talking about it is because when the news came out, I think there was kind of this belief that it means that any kind of conversation between the two leagues 
is now dead. Now they're going to go their own way. The Pac-12 maybe adds, I don't know, San Diego State and UNLV. The Big 12 stays at 12. Here's the thing, though. I don't believe that's the case at all. I don't believe we're anywhere close to done. From what I'm hearing, we may even get something in the next you know, very short amount of time. But just because you saw that headline, make sure to understand the context behind the headline. That's why you come to this show. I give you the story behind the story, and I think when it comes to the shuffle in that part of the country, I really do think that it is just beginning. So the question becomes, first of all, why, what, what does Tuesday night's, what does Monday night's news even mean? Well, what it means is the two leagues are not coming together, and the reason they're not coming together is the same reason that every realignment move does or does not get made, and it's over money. The reason Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC is because they significantly increase the SEC's TV contract. Not only are they bringing a ton of money for themselves, but other schools will now make more money from their presence. It's the exact same thing with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Big Ten schools are already making a lot of money. They're going to make the same money plus even more with USC and UCLA. There's a reason that Oregon and Washington did not join them And it's because Oregon and Washington really add no value to the Big Ten TV contract. So if anything, you're taking money away from other schools by coming. The Big Ten is not a charity. The SEC is not a charity. And the SEC or the Big Ten basically said, like, look, Washington and Oklahoma, you do nothing for us. Now all of our schools have to give up more money to get you into this league. And that is why they stuck with the 16 of USC and UCLA. And so basically the reason that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 did not merge is because neither side believed that they would get significantly more money that more money by joining together. By the way, we should have seen this coming. Why? Because if you remember last year when the Big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma, everybody said the Pac-12 should join them. Everybody said the Pac-12 should join them and the Pac-12 said, "We're good. You guys add no value to our TV deal." And now the Big 12 is kind of doing the exact opposite and saying, sorry, we're good over here. We're going to stay put. But to me, when I look at what the actual report was, like I said, all it really said was that the two schools aren't combining together to make a 22-team league. I do believe the Big 12 is still active, and I'm just going to tell you what I believe is happening. I believe that on Monday night, the Big 12 basically threw up their hands and said, oh, there's nothing we could do. There's nothing we could do. But in reality, that's not what they were saying at all. What they were saying at all was, oh, we're still interested in your schools. We're just not interested in all of your schools. And it makes sense from the Big 12's perspective, right? The Big 12, what do they want? Washington State, Cal, even Stanford. Stanford's great academically. It does nothing to create more money for anybody else in the conference. And so what I believe the Big 12 is angling to do Now that we understand that all 10 teams aren't joining the Big 12, what I believe that they are now trying to do is corner very specific schools to join them and leave behind the rest of the Pac-12. And right now, I believe it's one of two choices, but I really believe it's one of one. Either they want to take the four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, plus Oregon and Washington, or they just want to take the four corner schools in general, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, and obviously it has to work the other way as well. They may want somebody, but does somebody else want them? I believe that right now, behind the scenes, this is not you know tinfoil hat stuff. This is stuff that I'm hearing. 
just because the announcement was made on Monday that they're not going to merge, I still believe there's a very real possibility of both those things happening, but more specifically, probably, the four corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, eventually becoming members of the Big 12. So the question becomes, Torres, you just told me it's all about money. Why would they want to expand if it doesn't increase the money? Well, there's a couple reasons why. I think one, geographically, it does make sense. Um, And it's not as though those four specific schools bring nothing to the table, okay? Arizona's obviously great at at basketball. Utah has been very good in football. And geographically, it does make sense. I don't know that it makes a ton of sense adding Washington State to the mix. Because then you got to fly, again, as we always talk about, not just your football team, but now Baylor's got to send their soccer team and their golf team and their tennis team up to Pullman and up to Corvallis, Oregon for Oregon State and all that good stuff. And I don't think the Big 12 wants anything to do with that. So that's number one. Number two is even if those schools don't add a ton of value, here's what else you have to remember. If you take those four schools, or if you take Oregon and Washington too, but we're going to get into why I don't think that's going to happen in a minute, what you effectively do is stick a stake in the Pac-12. I don't know what it would mean for Oregon. I don't know what it would mean for Washington. But the Pac-12 is officially done at that point being a power conference. They're much closer to the Mountain West and the AAC than they would be to any type of of power league, even with Oregon and Washington in. So it's kind of a proactive move to kind of get ahead of things, right? The SEC tried to kill you last summer. You survived. Now you put a stake in the Pac-12 so you make sure that you can't do it again. The other reason that you not only have to do it, but you have to do it right now, and this is why I think it could happen soon, The Pac-12 TV contract is up. The reason USC and UCLA left for the Big Ten at this time is because come 2024, they will not be contractually obligated to any league. So if the Big 12 wants to make their move, you got to do it right now while none of these schools are under contract. And Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, they sign with the Pac-12, hook, line, and sinker, they're done. And really, not only that part, But this last part is why I believe that the workings of this may be in the process as we speak. Why? Because it's what I told you two or three weeks ago. And by the way, this is why you listen to the Air Tour Sports Podcast. We're going to talk about Notre Dame in a minute. I nailed that Notre Dame story, and I nailed this one a few weeks ago. Because everybody says, well, what about, what about, why is this? I know what, why it's all happening is pretty straightforward. Why the Pac-10, the remaining Pac-10 schools, can't all get on the same page is because nobody is committing to each other. And so why this might make sense for Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and Arizona State is because you do not want to commit to something in the Pac-12, something with those other schools, if you're not going to get your commitment back. And this is something that we talked about a few weeks ago. Nobody wants to commit to each other because everybody is looking for a way out. I think if all 10 schools had their druthers, I think if those four schools, the corner schools had their druthers, it would be to stay with the rest of the Pac-10 schools. Here's the problem. It's very clear that Oregon and it's very clear that Washington do not want to commit to anything long-term because they're sitting there saying, wait a second now, if Notre Dame makes a decision to go to the Big Ten, the Big Ten is at least going to need a 17th team and maybe number, they're at least going to need an 18th team, excuse me, Notre Dame would be 17th. And maybe we're 19 and 20. And so they don't want to commit to the other Pac-12 schools because they want they want they kind of want that have their cake and eat it too, right? Yeah, we want you guys to stay with us. But if something better comes along, well, guess what? We're gonna bounce on out. 
And so I bring this all up to say that is why I believe this is in the works. Because if Oregon and Washington are looking out for their best interests, why wouldn't Arizona and Arizona State? Why wouldn't Colorado and Utah? And if you follow the breadcrumbs, it all makes sense. Colorado, by the way, follow my buddy, for, for, for the love of God, I try to tell you this on Twitter. Follow my buddy Jason Shear, who covers Arizona. He is, the, I believe, the best reporter on the West Coast covering college athletics right now. He's been all over this from the beginning, but he's brought up a good point. Colorado has called about 37 Board of Regents meetings over the last two weeks. You don't do that if you're just completely happy with where you are and have no plans, but I'm getting off track here to just say that when I look at this situation, it seems pretty clear to me. If all 10 remaining schools outside of USC and UCLA, if they were all rowing in the same direction, if they were all willing to commit to each other, then I think we'd have a Pac-10. The problem is that, again, Oregon and Washington, and I think Stanford maybe to a degree too, they're all kind of looking at their get-out-of-jail-free card, and yeah, we're totally committed to you until something better comes along. We're totally on board unless we can get into the Big Ten. And Arizona and Arizona State and Colorado and Utah are sitting there saying, wait a second, now we got to look out for ourselves. And so it's interesting, right? Because I'll tell you this. We're going to talk about Notre Dame in a minute, and we just talked about uh, the SEC. And I do think the Notre Dame thing, I think it could drag out a little bit. I really do. Because I think from Notre Dame's perspective, they're like, we got all the power in this situation. This Pac-12, Arizona, four schools, Colorado, Colorado, uh, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah deal, to me, that feels like it's something that's going to move much quicker. Because remember, their TV contract is up before 2024. They got to lock in something soon. So I'm just telling you, keep an eye out on this. But that is the deal with that story. I think a lot of people saw that story and sat back and said, well, I guess we're not getting any more realignment. No, 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 no. We still very much are. I just believe that it's not what you think. We're just not getting that big two-conference merger, but instead what I would expect is for those four schools to very seriously be courted by the Big 12, and it would not surprise me if the Big 12 eventually gets those schools. All right, so what I want to do, I do want to take a quick break. I do want to come back, final segment of the show. We'll talk a little Notre Dame. Notre Dame wants the bag. Notre Dame's asking for money. And I think Notre Dame's going to get it. I'm going to explain that next. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to 
wrap up with really a story that kind of sort of is related to the last segment that we just did on the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and that is the present and future of Notre Dame football. Because on Monday night, a story came out that rocked the world of all of college football. Except if you listen to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, it really wasn't all that surprising at all because we talked about it and I gave you a dollar figure almost identical to what came out on Monday night. But let's talk about it, let's discuss, let's debate. Because right now we all know, obviously, that the, the talk of college sports is realignment. And the next big domino, or the single biggest domino left, I don't know if it's the next one, but it's certainly the biggest one, is Notre Dame. They could join the Big Ten. They could join, if they decide they want to join the SEC, Greg Sankey would take them in a heartbeat. But they also, of course, are currently an independent. And I think most people kind of understand they probably want to remain an independent if they can. Well, on Monday night, Dennis Dodd from CBS put out a report that shook up the internet in terms of what it's going to take for NBC to keep their contract with Notre Dame beyond 2025 and to keep Notre Dame an independent. That dollar figure, it was, drumroll please, $75 million. That is what Notre Dame wants, $75 million per year to remain independent and to have all of its home games exclusively on NBC. And when that number came out on Monday, it shocked the world. The internet went crazy. There were women fainting in the streets and children running around like the fire hose had just blown up and there was water flowing everywhere. I'm making stuff up. The point that I'm trying to make is everybody went crazy, but as I told you last segment, this is why you listen to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. We talked about this about two weeks ago, and I said at the time, as we were trying to figure out in the days immediately following the USC-UCLA to the Big Ten news, what was going to happen next? What did I say was the first thing I would do if I was a TV exec? I said if I was at NBC, I would go to Notre Dame, rip up the current TV contract, and hand them a brand new one. And I believe the dollar amount that I gave, it might not have been exactly $75 million, but it was right around $75 million. That is why you listen to this show, because I told you this was going to happen. So the question now becomes, one, why that number isn't crazy, and two, why did I tell you two weeks ago it was going to happen? Well, to quote my old buddy J.J. Reddick, and excuse my language, this is J.J. Reddick's words, not mine, it's a simple math equation, F-head, and I'm not going to use his terms because there might be children in the car or children around. It is a simple math equation, F-head. And so why the $75 million number makes perfect sense now, why I said it made perfect sense two weeks ago, is because, again, it is a simple math equation. Notre Dame is obviously right now an independent through 2025 with all of their home games on NBC Sports. We talked about it. We discussed it. And one thing that I said two weeks ago when when I first started looking into this, I think we all kind of have this idea that Notre Dame has this incredible sweetheart deal with NBC Sports with NBC, all their home games nationally televised every single week. And I think when they signed it, it probably was a sweetheart deal. But I looked at the numbers and I was blown away. Here is how much NBC currently pays Notre Dame for their seven to eight home football games a year. They currently pay Notre Dame $15 million a year. Now, Dennis Dodd said it's, it's, it's an average of $15 million. It's probably closer on the back end of the contract to $22 million. It is a backloaded contract. 
but 15 million to 22 million and even when you factor in that Notre Dame gets another 10 million or so from the ACC as part of obviously Notre Dame has its non-football sports tied to the ACC that sounds like a lot of money, right? That sounds great. $32 million, the $22 million that NBC pays for football, the $10 million that the ACC pays, $32 million a year for one athletic department. That's incredible money. Except if you follow the math and you follow the numbers, and what do they always say? Follow the money. That money might have been good 10 years ago when Notre Dame signed the contract. It might have even been good five years ago. It might have even been good three years ago. But the market has changed, and remember, why did USC and UCLA go to Notre Dame, or why did they go to the, PAC, the Big Ten in the first place? The reason USC and UCLA went to the, to the Big Ten, I keep wanting to say the Pac-12, that's where they were, they're going to the Big Ten now. The reason they went to the Big Ten is because the money was through the roof. The money for the Big Ten TV contract is going to be around $75 million per year for everybody in the Big Ten. Not just Ohio State, not just Michigan, not just Penn State. Rutgers is going to make $75 million a year in, in, in TV money for their athletic department. Minnesota is going to make $75 million per year for their athletic department just from their TV contract. Northwestern just built one of the nicest football facilities in America three, four years ago. Based on the TV money that they get, now they're going to get more $75 million. And so to go back to the J.J. Redick, it's a simple math equation, F-Head. Notre Dame right now making 32 or so million dollars a year, that is half to 60% less than what everybody in the Big Ten is getting. And so, of course, they can't stay under this current contract. Of course, it needs to be ripped up. And now I think the fascinating question becomes what happens next. Now, what could potentially happen next is really interesting, and Dennis Dodd actually put in one little piece of news that I had not heard before, but I do think it is interesting to this conversation. It seems as though NBC is willing to give Notre Dame big money, but one thing that NBC wants, and it's not even necessarily a Notre Dame thing, but they want what Dennis Dodd is calling shoulder programming around Notre Dame football. What does that mean? It means that they want to find some other football, college football somewhere on Saturdays that they can put before Notre Dame games and after Notre Dame games. They don't just want you tuning into NBC like we do now. Let's be honest. You tune in 10 minutes before the Notre Dame game, and the second that game ends, you tune the heck right out and go to the next game. They want to put something else on NBC or wherever they're broadcasting, and I'm sure they're going to have some of these games on their apps, whatever. They want shoulder programming around Notre Dame football so it becomes an experience. The same way that you turn on Fox for Big Noon and then you keep it on for that Big 12 game and then you keep it on at night for another game. The way that you turn on ESPN at 12 noon for whatever game and you're on till 7 and then you get the SEC game and then you get that Pac-12 after dark game. That's what NBC wants to create. And so in terms of what could potentially happen next for Notre Dame, that's what I think you have to watch out for. Not only what could happen with Notre Dame, but is NBC actively pursuing other conferences, other schools, other ways to put programming around Notre Dame? Now, beyond that, I think the other interesting thing is what could potentially happen next and what is the time frame? That, to me, is, is something else that's fascinating here as well. I saw Dennis Dodd say that he believes that this could all get figured out in the next two to three weeks. I don't really buy that, and Dennis Dodd's a good reporter. I think he actually came on this podcast once, like episode two, which I don't even think he can have find access to anymore. Dennis Dodd's a great reporter. I don't see the two to three weeks 
narrative for a couple reasons. One, NBC's got to figure out what that shoulder programming is, what's available, how much we have to pay. But two, I think Notre Dame could take their sweet time. If, if NBC's not going to commit without getting other games around Notre Dame, then I don't know why Notre Dame is in a rush to commit either. Now, if, they, if NBC just says, let's extend this thing out, $75 million a year, I think Notre Dame signs tomorrow. But I think NBC, it's kind of a, a chicken and the egg thing. NBC won't give that contract until they obviously uh, have other games around Notre Dame. And because of it, I don't think Notre Dame has to rush either. And that's the important thing here. And, and, and I'm talking too much about other games because this is about Notre Dame. And I would say one thing specifically about Notre Dame and, and all this stuff. And that's this, is that what I would say is Notre Dame completely holds all the cards in all of this, and they don't have to take some low ball offer. I think that's an important part of this as well. So why might this not get done in a, in a, in a quick amount of time? One, because NBC has to figure out what the heck they're going to do around Notre Dame football. But two, you can't low ball Notre Dame because Notre Dame has more options than anybody right now anywhere. I think if it's up to them, they would love to remain independent, but they're not going to do it at a discount rate because, again, think about if Notre Dame is making significantly less money than, say, Ohio State, than, say, Michigan, than, say, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Texas A&M, and the SEC. Then at a certain point, you're going to fall behind, and that is why they can't take a low-ball deal. They also know they got plenty of options, too. I think if they want to remain independent, that's where it gets a little bit dicey. If NBC just says, you know, we're out of the college football game, we can't afford this. Uh, Trey Wallace actually said it on this show a few weeks ago. He said NBC might just decide, you know what, we have the number one show in America, Sunday night NFL football. We're just getting out of the college football game. Then it gets interesting because I do think maybe would CBS be interested? Remember, CBS, of course, does not right now, as of this moment, have any real college football once they lose the SEC in a couple years. If not, Fox obviously would be willing to pay good money, but they probably want them to go to the Big Ten. Uh, ESPN would probably play, pay good money, but they would want them to go to the SEC. So this is going to be something really, really interesting to follow. But I think the one thing that I get the sense of, I don't think there's any rush from Notre Dame's perspective. They don't have to take a bad offer. They can work with NBC if they want to work with NBC to figure out what that shoulder programming is. But they seem to have all of the control in this whole scenario. But it's something to keep an eye on. It's certainly interesting. The one thing I would say is this. If you listen to this podcast, it should not come as a surprise to you that they want $75 million. And by the way, I'll say this. I don't think it's a crazy number at all. I think all they're saying to NBC is, look, you want all this exclusivity. That's fine, but you got to put us on an even playing field as Rutgers, as Ohio State, as Michigan, as Alabama, as Georgia, as Florida, as LSU. We don't mind. Be, we, we want, I, I think Notre Dame, if they had their druthers, would prefer to be independent, but it can't come at a cost. It can't put their football program behind everybody else, and oh, by the way, it's going to put all their other athletic programs behind everybody else as well because they'll be making significantly less money. So it's something to keep an eye on. It was an interesting report. I will say, I don't really see the scenario where there is a big rush. This is something I think, look, it, could it be resolved in a couple weeks? Could NBC th figure this out in a couple weeks? Yeah, but Notre Dame's got till 2025 under their current TV deal. So I think they can wait. They can be patient. They can see what options are out there. If Notre Dame or if NBC tries to lowball them, I think they could go to uh, Fox and say, "Hey, let's let's start this conversation about joining the Big Ten. They could go to ESPN and say, "Hey, let's start this conversation about joining the SEC." There's already a report that you know the Big Twelve is going to try to woo them. 
but the bottom line is Notre Dame's getting paid one way or the other. Um, and they kind of put the, 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 you know, they kind of turned the screws to, to NBC this week. I'm not surprised at all. If you listen to this podcast, you are not surprised at all either. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Great show, man. We, you know, I'll say this. We're really, 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 I think, starting to hit a groove. And we're really, really, really starting to ramp up. And I really, really, really appreciate your guys' support. Um, it's been fun. It's great to be back. I've gotten a lot of messages privately how nice it is to hear me kind of in my element doing AT things, getting all fired up about random things. It was fun last week to do the long-form interviews, but it is a lot of fun to get back and really just talk about the things that not only that I care about, but that I believe that you all care about as well. Before we get out of here, I'd say a couple things. One, make sure you're uh, following me on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres. Make sure you're obviously subscribed to this show. We got some big things coming to AT Media, man. I got a, a really cool college football podcast that I think we're going to be launching under my name. Uh, a very noteworthy name in college football. Don't want to give away too much just yet, but a noteworthy name that may bring us some really, really, really big-time guests. We will discuss all that in the future. We're under 50 days away from college football now, so uh, it's coming really fast. I appreciate your guys' support, and keep those eyes and ears peeled. There's going to be some really fun stuff coming forward. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, as I just said, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. I should mention the team-specific accounts. Um... Kentucky fans, I know that Kentucky, as you guys and girls listen today, will be at SEC Media Days. Make sure that you're paying attention to Torres on UK. We have a guy on the ground there covering the event for us. Really cool. He's done an awesome job behind the scenes. Arkansas fans, I know that you all as well have your SEC Media Days on Wednesday as well. Torres on the Hogs and then Torres on the Vols. Torres on Texas A&M, Torres on Auburn on Thursday. We will have a guy on the ground in Atlanta doing all sorts of good stuff for us. That said, it is time for me to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening. It is so good to be back. A lot of big announcements coming, so keep your eyes and ears peeled. But with that said, it's time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. How about a real shout out to JJ Reddick? I stole your line. Remember when you call me an F-head? Well, I just used that in the, the show. So thank you for the content, JJ Reddick. Unblock me, dude. Yeah, F-head. I'll be back on Friday. New episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.